Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Guys, let's get started. One of the, one of the first things I wanted to say is leaders, we're building leaders in this church and leaders know the way, they go the way and they show the way. And that is the Awaken way. That was a lot of ways, right? Now, I, the reason I titled this message, what I did, the way I titled it is because I got instilled in me the culture, the, the belief that I am a champion. Since I was a little kid, and I got to give that to my family. And one of the first memories I have as a child is playing in the park in my tricycle and going up this big hill. And I, I was there with my, my grandpa, Papa Juan, that is here. And I remember me going up there and, and being fearful. At that time, that hill looked pretty big to me. As I climbed that hill, you know, the, the unwanted happened. And my tricycle started churning. And I started going in circles down that, that big cliff, that big hill. Um, and as I got down, I remember my grandpa running towards me saying, saying, get up, champion. Go do it again, champion. Come on, do it again, champion. And he, you know, later on, I, I went to school and, and became a wrestler. And it's a funny story. I said, hey, I, I used to live with my grandpa when I used to wrestle in high school. And, and I said, hey, can you come see me? Can you come see me? Can you watch me? I, I want him to watch me win because... I thought it was pretty good. And so he shows up, and I think the first round, like minute and a half, I almost pinned the guy. I said, no, I need to enjoy this. So I get up. I, I, I let him get up. And as I turn, and I look at my, at my grandpa and my family. That guy grabs me from the back and pins me like in two seconds. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. I could have gotten this guy. But after, after the match, I was really upset at myself. I was very competitive in wrestling, and I was really upset. Grandpa came over to me and said, hey, son, you should never give your back to an enemy. Never. He said, but he hugged me, and he said in my ear, but you're still my champion. You're still my champion. You see, being a person that, that instills something like that, that's, a, that's what pro, pro, being prophetic is. So as you champion people, you're being prophetic. What prophecy is, is to encourage, to strengthen, edify, to, to give it of gratitude, to validate, to give honor, to encourage someone, some, to encourage someone in something they don't believe they have, to, to, to see gold in someone. The way I see prophecy is, is what would God, how would God see Alex? If Alex is talking to me about something that he's going through, how would God respond to Alex? If, if I am in the middle of a situation with, with my children, you know, disciplining them or, or in a situation, a tense situation in my marriage, my beautiful Denise, you know, how would God respond prophetically to that situation, right? Well, let me tell you, if you do that, you're going to be a champion. You're going to be winning in life. Now, your testimony is a way of being generous. And you being generous with your testimony you're going to be letting up darkness. Your testimony is a way of showcasing the power of God. So if, if even the word of God says it, the word of God says the testimony of Jesus is his spirit of prophecy. Now the greatest testimony that earth has ever witnessed is the story of Jesus. 
Now, the word testimony is kind of like a very churchy word, right? You know, I like saying the story. So the story of Jesus is, is the biggest testimony that the earth has ever witnessed. And, and it starts in Isaiah 53, and I'm going to go super quick through it. It might be behind me. But it says like this in uh, verse 4, and it says, Surely... He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him his iniquity for all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And I'm going to skip to 12. Therefore... I will give him a portion among the great, and he would divide his spoils. He would divide his spoils with the strong. Look to the person on your left and say, "Hey, you're a great." Not to your right and say, "You're a strong." So he's saying, "Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he would divide his spoils with the strong, with you, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many." And made intercessions for his transgressors. Now, you got a story to tell. I have a story to tell. But I wanted to encourage you to share your story more and more often. You see, sometimes when we don't go back to where we came from, sometimes when we don't go back and see what God did for us, we lose perception of where we're going. You see, it is, it is easy for me, and I'm guilty speaking about this because it it is easy to get lost in my own complexities, insecurities, in my own packed schedule, in a way where I stop, I stop forgetting what God did for me. And not only that, but as time goes by, I feel that, at least me and my testimony, I wonder if you feel like that, but I feel like it's, as time goes by, like it, it, it loses its significance. Like, you know, I, I feel that it's, it's kind of like diluted now. It's not recent. And, you know, I grew up in, in a house of pastors and as a kid. And I remember uh, my dad, one of his friends coming over, Brother Amos, and he was about 70 years old. And one of the reasons why I want to share my testimony, I wasn't a believer back then. Brother Amos is already in heaven, I'm sure. But, but he, I, would, I, would, I would see him, and one day I came up to him and I said, hey, Pastor, hey, Brother Amos, hey, what's your story? He's like, oh, son, let me tell you when I was 11 years old. I said, no, no, tell me your story like right now. What is God doing in your life? Like, I don't want to hear your story. You see, to fight today's devils, you can't use yesterday's testimony. You see, to fight today's adversity, tribulations you're going to go through, you need something fresh. God is working on me on a daily basis. I have a testimony to tell you today that happened in my life today, in my marriage, in my business, because I'm taking territory. And as you take territory, as you're a pathfinder, as you're a pathfinder in this church, you're going to go through adversity. And those adversities are going to bring, bring you victories. are going to bring you testimonies. And by the way, Speaking of Pathfinders, today is the last day to apply for Pathfinders Apprenticeship. And now we have Pathfinders International in Espanol for those who want to do it. So if you haven't applied, you have to midnight tonight. Please do it. It changed my life and a lot of people here, so, so please do it. Now, another reason why I don't share my testimony sometimes is because I feel like it's, like it's too small. Like it's not... It's not, it's not it's not a big deal. Like, I, I feel like it's lost its, 
It's power sometimes. It's too small. But let me tell you what a small rock can do in a small hand, in a small boy. That's David. Let me tell you what a giant can a small rock, a, a, a giant of depression, maybe a small testimony can do to a, a giant of infirmity, a, a giant of shackles in your brain, a poverty mindset, maybe what a small testimony can do to somebody next to you that maybe is an unbeliever and by hearing your testimony can come and experience the life that you get to live in the kingdom of God, right? And now, sometimes people may say, hey, hey, brother, I actually heard this before lots of times. Hey, brother, hey, brethren, I don't have a big testimony like I've been a Christian my whole life. You, you don't need a crazy death row testimony to go out and change lives. You know, you, you don't need to come out of prison or of, of dying in a, in a hospital bed to give a testimony. Hey, you don't need 13 wives and 13 kids. No. You just need to be yourself. You just got to have your own story. Do life with God. You know, one of, the, um, one of my favorite, favorite stories or testimonies is the testimony of Jesus. Because every time, every single time that someone tried to put him down, every single time that someone beat him, every single time someone tried to take advantage of him, he always spoke with love. You know, I mean, how difficult it is when someone who is not your wife comes and raises their voice in you. Like, just being real, how difficult it is to give love back to them. Right, Dr. Lisa? How difficult is that? Now, the Word of God says that, that we, we overcome. We're all overcomers. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you're an overcomer. The Word of God says that we overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So, hey, this is my story. Where's that slide? Here's my story. Where's that slide, Chris Sheridan? Hey, I grew up in a beautiful family, a beautiful family that was admired. As a kid, I remember friends coming over to my home and saying, hey, your mom's amazing. She cooks so good. Your dad is always happy, like, like, you know, they, they're just so joyful. You have the perfect family. A, a family that maybe in the world somebody would envy, you know. And I remember, I have this memory, dad, Jose, Luis, of us going to your operations and, and your business in Baja. And, and it was like, back in the days, there was a storm. I remember like a Nino storm or La Nina, something like that. And, and I remember that, that as I got in the car, I kind of got wet. I didn't want to go with you. And I remember that, that I got in your pickup truck and you were so happy and so smiley and you're kind of like trying to push me around and, and make my day better. And, and you were like singing a song, I remember. And, and I was looking at you like, what is, what is there to be so happy about? And I didn't understand it. And as we crossed the border, it hit me that I, all I wanted to do is be like my father. All I wanted to do is be like my dad. Because I didn't understand how I could, in those circumstances, have a, 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 a great personality, a good smile. And, and that's, that's kind of like the upbringing I had. And as I, as I got older, when I got 
to the age of 13, life took a little bit of a turn in my life. Parents got divorced. And as they got divorced, um, you know, it wasn't easy for both of my parents. And as, as things evolved in that divorce, you know, I, I was, I had to leave my house. So I left my house and I ended up in the, in the couch of my best friend, actually in Juanita's couch. And then in my older Luis's friend's couch and, and I was like that for about two months. And one day, pretty much homeless. And one day, I remember that I have gone without like eating. And like I hadn't eaten for like, in like two days. I was really hungry. And I called my older brother, Jose. And I said, hey, man, I, I don't want to be a bother, but I'm just really hungry, man. I feel like I hit rock bottom. And, you know, I, I just don't know what happened in our lives. And so he met me at this fast food restaurant. And to make a long story short, I ate two meals, not one, that he bought me. He, uh, we made a deal. He said, Chris, he said, you had a good head on your shoulders. He goes, I didn't finish school, but I got two jobs. I said, I'll pay for you to go to college. You know, I'll pay for all your wrestling gear. I know you love to wrestle. He goes, uh, come live with me and our grandparents. He goes, uh, I'll sponsor you. He goes, but you got to promise me that you're going to go get your degree. Be the first one in our family to go get a degree. And I said, of course, of course I can do that, man. You're going to buy me my wrestling gear and pay for all that? Absolutely. And, and as time went by, you know, got my degree. And I, I actually, I, I was striving to be an Olympic wrestler, an Olympic wrestler. Where's, where's, uh, where's my brother Chris, the Olympic guy? And, and I, I had to give up. So I went to school, got my degree, came out, knocked on a lot of doors, ended up getting a fantastic job uh, by the work of God. And I was not a believer yet. But, you know, when, when your family fears the Lord, when your family fears the Lord, you're a promise to them. And when you have parents like, like us, like you guys, Tony, that were always praying and prophesying over our children, doors open up that normally don't open up for people. You know that? Do you experience that? So a big door opened up for me with, with the biggest employer in the state of Arizona, a C-level position as director of operations for this big developing company, five top builder in our nation. Literally, from one day to another, I became like a multi-millionaire. I mean, I had a company yacht. I had executive homes around the world. I had a great salary. It was amazing. But, I mean, it was so amazing that if, if somebody from the outside We'll look at someone with that life, they'll be like, dang, that's, that's my dream life. I probably had everything material that you would want to have at 22 years old. But the very thing I was running away, I would always tell my family, I don't want to do Christianism. I don't want to be a Christian because I'm not a hypocrite. You see, I like what I do, and I used to like to party and live a lustful life and, and drinking. And I said, I don't want to change. I really enjoy what I do. I said, if there's an issue with finances, I finance it for you guys. Like, why would I have to change? Like, I, so money, the spirit of mammon had me so strong and so dis deceived that I felt like that was the way to live life. But if people would have seen in the outside, and I would say, and I would say, I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
I don't want to be a hypocrite. That was my line. But the people with the very thing I was running away from, I had become in the world. Because I was being a hypocrite by showing a nice face, a, a smiley face, a great attitude. But inside I was dying. I was dry. I feel like I felt like I feel like I was the biggest hypocrite in meetings. And and thank God that again my life took a shift. One day, as my father was coming back from Mexico, and this is really where my real testimony starts, I believe. He was doing ministry work in Baja, coming down, and somehow this guy who was under later we learned under the influence of steroids. Um, got in this rant and literally with his big truck, you know, ran my father into the K-Rail on the freeway to Interstate 5 in San Isidro and got him off his car and beat him pretty bad. It was, it was so bad that he, I think that night he became diabetic. And um, I'm going to prophesy, Dad, that you're not diabetic anymore, but I know you still struggle with that. Um, and, and that day, I was with four of my friends at the butcher shop, old restaurant here in West Chula Vista. And, and I received a call from my younger brother saying, dad has been murdered. It was, it was one of my younger brothers. He was very little. He got scared. He ran across the freeway to the San Isidro Boulevard and borrowed a cell phone from someone, called me up. And I said, where are you at? I literally showed up within four minutes arrived to the scene, as I arrived to the scene, the aggressor was just leaving. Can you imagine that? And this bodybuilder guy, beating my father for a long time. So the first thing was like, I, I didn't care about him. I wanted to save my father. So I went and I saw him. I knew he was, he was alive. He was, he was talking to me. And, and I asked him, what, what did you do to him? I mean, I grew up with a dad that I don't remember the last time he cursed. You know, he's not, he's a man of God. Like what, what you do to get this beating father, you know? And he's like, he's like, son, I don't know. He just told me that next time he, he would see me, he was going to kill me. And I said, oh, he ain't going to do that. So I left, I left my dad's friend there and, and my younger brother. And I left with my four friends to follow this truck. And as I confronted him, he went, I don't, I don't want to get into this road rage thing. So I, I waited for him to stop and he went to his restaurant. And as he went into his restaurant, I, I got off, I approached him and I said, hey, you know the guy that you beat up as a pastor? And as I was trying to tell him what, what he had done, he just went on me and to be honest with you, he beat me up as well. And I, I thought I could hold my, my own weight, but he was under the influence of steroids. I could have taken his eyes out and he would have had felt it, guys. It was incredible. But... As I, was, as I was getting beaten by this big dude, a little bigger than Ivan Navarrete, <laughs> that big, you know? And one of my friends went to my pickup truck and grabbed a hammer and came back and started trying to get him off my back. And he was so drugged up that he was hammering him in the back. And that guy would still not stop beating me. And... It got to the point where, where my buddy was going to hit him in the head with it. And I literally, I was, he didn't beat me up that bad. I was still okay. But I um, just wanted to say that, put that out there. Um, but 
Because I was still looking at what was happening in the background, and I could see that he was about to get hit in the head. So literally, I was able to push him off, and I grabbed the hammer, and I said, no. When he saw that I grabbed the hammer, he got up to go against my friend. I threw the hammer in the floor. I told, I told my buddies, let's get out of here. We didn't come for this. Got in my truck, went back home to check on my father. And the next morning, guess who was knocking on the door? The district attorney office. Said, we're looking for Chris Aguilar with the charges of attentive murder. And I said, uh-oh, that's me. Time to go out the back door. But so I never thought that I would be in jail. And I refused to believe that. So I literally went out the back door of my, house, my, my parents' home. And I went to my home. And I just hang out there until like I called my attorney. And at that point, I said, to be honest with you, I got money. I'm going to hire the best attorneys in the world. And I'm not going to jail. That guy beat up my father. He's smoking some good stuff. I'm not going to go to jail. And fast forward, after a two-year trial, guys, after a two-year trial, but before saying that, so I started going to church a little bit, like once a month, I remember. And right before the end of the trial, there was this lady that came. I was sitting like right in the back, like where nobody would see me. And this lady back in um, my old church, kind of like Adrian Lorena, you know, prophetic people, anointed by God, literally went to the back and said, hey, son, I want to pray for you. I know what you're going through. And I said, okay. I got up. And the, the trial had ended. The jury was out, you know, delivering the verdict. They hadn't, I think it was like the third day. They still hadn't come out. And uh, she said, son, you need to turn in the person who committed the crime. Or else the Lord is saying, you're going to go to jail. And I said, I'm sorry. You're wrong. I'm not going to jail. Because I thought I had the best attorneys in the world. That I'm not going to lose. And so I went to my pastor there and I said, hey, Pastor Bill, you know, this lady is not being so prophetic right now. She said that I'm going to go to jail. And, but Pastor Bill said, Chris, I've been praying and you are. Son, if, if you don't give up that person, you will go to jail. The only hero is Jesus, Chris. He did a crime. You let him pay that crime. And when I went home, after he said that, he kind of like backed up the prophet lady. I said, all right, this is for reals. So I went home, and I, I remember that as I, as I went in the home, my, my roommate, good friend Juan Alcaraz was there. And, and I told him, I said, dude, I, I feel it inside of me. I feel like I got to get ready. I said, it's, um, it's going to be pretty bad. I'm going to jail, man. And he goes, you feel it? I'm like, yeah, the prophet said it. My pastor confirmed it. And I feel it inside of me. Like God wants me to get ready. And he's, um, at that time, he was Catholic. And he goes, man, you know, I'm not a religious person like your family, but, but let's pray. And as he was praying, I couldn't help to think that, you know, I, the I was going to spend 20, 50 years of my life in prison. And I said, I'm not going to see my great-grandma pass away. She was like 80 years old. I'm not going to go to her burial. My sister's going to get married. I'm not going to attend her wedding. My beautiful girlfriend, Denise, at the time, she'll, she'll end up marrying somebody else. 
I lose my career. I lose my house that was paid off. I lose my business. I lose my family. I said, but I, I just couldn't give him up. I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, God, help me out. I didn't ask for, a, for like a pass. I actually said, God, give me the strength to go through this. And, and as, I, as I showed up, when the, the jury came out and they delivered and they um, read the verdict, yeah, just like the prophet has said it, there was like five felony counts that accounted for like 50 years counting nights, 25 years, you know, um, not counting nights. And literally the, at that moment when a jury, if you guys know about, hopefully you don't know about stuff like that, but if you do, when the jury, you know, delivers the verdict in that moment, if you're found guilty, you get, you go to jail immediately. So as they handcuffed me, and I remember my, at the time, my executive, my family wasn't there because they called me and I had to show up super quick. My executive secretary at the time was there and Allison Glenn, and I, I gave her my belongings, my wallet. And as I started getting booked into jail, I saw that it was real. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't something easy to, to, to swallow. I, I, as I was getting booked, the first day, I saw some light at the end of the tunnel. I came in and I sat down on this bench, apparently the wrong bench. Uh, I guess it was, I guess they're divided in there by like the Mexicans and whites and the blacks. And I sit down on a bench of the blacks. And so this, the leader of the blacks comes over and says, hey, yeah, you need to get up. But I had seen in movies that if you ever go to jail, you got to act tough. <laughs> so in a very nice way, I told him to go see his mama. And he goes, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. You know, and so he went and got the leader of the Mexicans. And he came over and he very, very gently said that I needed to get up or else, you know, I was going to be beaten up pretty bad. And that guy was weird. He said, we're going to beat you up. And if you put your hands, we'll give you another 10 minutes. You have to let us hit you without putting your hands, without protecting yourself. So I looked at him and I was like, this guy if you, the leader of the Mexicans there, if you look at a dictionary and you look for the definition of a skull, think about that, then put tattoos on that skull, that was him. And I was like, okay, this guy's, you know, a little scary. So I got up and, and they, they would continue coming, to, he would continue coming to my, they had me in solitary confinement at the end because I was considered a, a dangerous person. And I... I would defy him and he wouldn't hurt me, he said, because he knew I was Christian because I would open up the Bible. Um, I would open up the Bible and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel anything. But I want to get to this point. As my, my father went to go visit me, Denise and my grandpa and my previous pastor, I pretty much ignored them. I had a plan. My plan was to do something dumb, like sitting in the wrong bench and disrespecting them and that was my ticket out, dead. And, but I wasn't going to do that with my family loving me. I said, I'm going to get transferred to a prison in the East Coast, and then I'll do that. Well, let me tell you, when my grandpa came and sat down, the power of prophecy and being prophetic, when he sat down and he said, I was ignoring him, and he saw that I, wasn't, that I, wasn't, I was gone, I wasn't there, 
he said in his own words, and not his own words, but he said, damn it, Chris, champion, you're my champion, look at me, champion. And that word champion just echoed in my brain because I always believed that I was his champion. And I looked at him, and he said, hey, you know that God that your dad preaches and your brothers preach? I think it's real. I think it's time for you and I to give our lives to God. What do you think? Because he wasn't a believer either. And I said, I said, you know what, are you serious? I loved him so much. I said, I'll do it for him. I said, okay, I'll do it. That night, I get in my knees in that, in that prison cell, and I say a prayer. And my prayer was, God, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm going to continue doing what I, what I, you know, I like to do. I said, but I will not stop going to church in here. I will not, I will not stop reading your word. If you want to take this away from me, just take it away. But I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, but all I want to ask is for you. All I want is you. And then I said, but do me a favor. If you decide to take me out, do something in my brain where I can never forget this moment. So it would always remain humble. And he did. Fast forward about a month, I get a call from the commissioner, the judge. And she says, I show up and she says, Chris, I can't sleep. I feel like there's something you got to tell me. I, got, I had detectives on you for two years. I know you better than what you think I know you. What is it? As I got up on my feet, I didn't know what I was going to say because by then I had already read the entire Bible about a time, one, one, one time and a half. All I did in there was just read the Bible. And as I got up, I looked at the alleged victim. He showed up. Normally when you have a case of violence in the courts, when the victim shows up, the judge has the obligation of enforce and execute to the full extent of the law. And as I saw him there, I, I just looked at him and I said, hey, Rod, I said, I know you beat up my father. He's still ill about that. You beat me up. I said, but I have, I have accepted God as my savior and I have peace and I have joy in my heart. But I'm concerned about you because my father is a pastor and you heard him. I said, I'm praying for your salvation. The guy is a white-skinned guy. He got red like a tomato. And the judge immediately turned to me and said, Chris, Mr. Aguilar, he goes, do you know why we built prisons in the United States? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. And she said, we built prisons for people to go in and rehabilitate. And I feel that you are fully rehabilitated. He said, and I'm going to let you out. I'm going to go against the jury, and I'm going to go against the alleged victim. Later on with a good friend of mine who was a judge, told me that a judge in, a, in his entire career, he would probably contradict the jury only a few times. It was crazy. It happens only a couple of times in our country on a yearly basis. That was God. And this is a judge telling me that. Thank you. There was, there was, um, and she not only did that, but she restored my, my license to drive, my license to be a contractor. And she even offered to take, oh, she said, I'm gonna leave you there one more month, Chris, because I know the company that you run and the companies that you own, you're gonna get out to your busy life and you're gonna forget the crime you committed. No one is a hero, but the prophet had said. And I said, and she said, um, and she said, so think about it. If you ever commit this crime when you get out after this month, 
she said, um, I'm gonna ask for you to get transferred to this, to my courtroom and I will prosecute to the full extent of the law. Do you understand? So yes, ma'am. So she offered, she goes, but um, I see that your health has deteriorated. That's when my hair fell off, guys. She saw that. And, I, and then she, um, and she said, um, I'm gonna transfer you to the general population. And I said, no, ma'am, I, I wanna stay where I'm at. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, I've never been asked that. You wanna stay in a solitary confinement in a little hole? I said, yes, ma'am. I found Jesus there and I don't wanna leave that room until you, I go back home. So that's where I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's where I spoke in tongues for the first time. Hey, hear this. And that skull guy, you know, I want him for Jesus. He was trying to, I guess he was fighting a big court case and he came to my cell for prayer. And I was able to present Jesus to him. He accepted him as, as his savior. But let me tell you, I wanna close it up. And I wanna share this that a good friend shared with me a long time ago. And he said, he said, Chris, with God, you're unstoppable. With, with your own energy, you will not be able to conquer anything, anything that, it, that is lasting. So I, I want us to tonight make a decision that our lives will never be the same again and encounter God in a very intimate way. You know, if I had a, if I have a Snickers here in my pocket, a chocolate, I could describe you the candy bar. I could spend an hour describing it to the extent where you could probably stand here and describe the chocolate back. But if you haven't tasted, tasted the chocolate, savored it, you really do not know and understand how that chocolate tastes, the taste of it. In the same way, I feel that when we read the word, when we hear preachings, testimonies, stories, and we don't have an encounter, a deep encounter with God, we really don't know him. So I wanna give an opportunity tonight for us to, to have an intimate encounter with God. And let me tell you, with God, you're unstoppable. I came out of, I came out of that cell and what the enemy intended for bad, God used it for good. And I thought I was never gonna get married. I got to see Denise get married to me. I have three, three beautiful children. I was, my, I was the, the main guy at my sister's wedding. I got, I got to rebuild our business, build more homes, build churches, speak life into people, share my story. So many things that I, wouldn't have, I would not have been able to do if it wasn't because I had that intimate encounter with God. So as we go into worship, you know, why don't we all get in our feet and let's close our eyes. And if you're a person that maybe has never accepted God as your savior, or you feel like you have never really connected with him in a way where you feel that you have a, a deep personal relationship with him, I want you to raise your hand. Or if maybe you, you've had that encounter with him in the past, that intimacy with God, but you feel like you lost it, like you're not there anymore with him, 
Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the Jesus Club. Now, why don't we all say this prayer together? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn my sins to you and invite you to come into my heart. I wanna trust you. I wanna follow you as my savior. Maybe you're a person that that feels convicted for not sharing your story, your testimony. Maybe you're a person that is here and is thinking, I wanna feel God for the first time. Maybe, maybe I don't speak in tongues. Maybe I'm not baptized by the Holy Spirit just yet. So we're gonna open up the altar. If you raised your hand, I'm gonna invite you to come to the altar. If you wanna have an encounter with God, I'm gonna invite you to come to the altar. And I have a challenge for you. Let's come to the front and let's just ask for God. In the same way that when I did my prayer in that cell and I said, God, all I want is you. God, all I want is you, nothing else. All I want is you. As you make that prayer, start walking to the front. And as, as you pray to God, I believe that God has to feel all my dreams. I feel that I'm walking a dream. And I know that you will also, after tonight, will be walking your dream. As God sees that you're not asking him for your laundry list, for your shopping list, as God sees that you truly, truly wanna have an encounter with him, he's gonna give you everything, everything that you want. So in the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to come to the front. One, because I wanna pray for you. Two, three. Okay. Thank you, Father. So why don't we all close our eyes? Just stretch your hands to the front and we're gonna pray for the people that did come to the front. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're here, Father. Thank you, Father, that, you're, that you have conquered our hearts, Father. And thank you that we are here tonight, Father. And we're not asking you for nothing else, Father, but for you to come into our hearts and allow us to experience you, Father. We wanna feel you, Father. We wanna have an intimate relationship with you, Father. Let us, Father, speak, like, speak the way you speak, Father. Let your words be our words, Father. Let our heart be your heart, Father. Father, I thank you, Father. I see that there's someone in here right now that is going through like big issues in your marriage. I see that you, you feel that there's no way out. And I also see shame. And God wants you to come to the front. God wants you to come to the front. If that's you, come to the front. Because God can save your marriage. Now, if you're a person that maybe you're hoping to have a wife, a Christian wife or a Christian husband, come to the front. God can do that too. Hey, he did it for me. He'll do it for you. 
So minister team, why don't we start praying for the people that are in the front? Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is here. Father, we, you have the liberty, Father, of doing whatever you want. This is your home, Father. This is your temple, Father. Our bodies are your temple. And Father, our desire is to have you. Now I see marriages being rebuilt. I see people that are believing for maybe a house. It's okay to want a house. It's okay to want things that you don't have. You know, God said that he being rich made himself poor so that we through him could be rich. It is no shame in being wealthy. It is no shame in, in wanting what God really wants for you. So Father, I bless every single person here tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, I declare, Father, that not only you'll be able to fulfill, Father, the desires, Father, whatever adversities, Father, you're going through, Father. God, I pray, Father, that as they're going through it, Father, and their patience increases, Father, as their faith increases, Father, they can encounter you, Jesus. Father, I pray and I declare that everyone that came to the front, Father, tonight, as they go home, Father, they'll be touched by your Holy Spirit. Then as they go to bed tonight, Father, that they'll have dreams, visions that they never had before, Father. I pray for a, a celestial intervention in their life, Father, and their life will never, ever be the same, Father. I bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.